Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Glad that we can be here together. Hope you have uh, had a wonderful weekend, had some wonderful holidays, and are ready for the new year. This morning, I want you to, as we begin, uh, to go with me in your mind, to imagine with me uh, for a little bit that we're uh, three years down the road, that we're three years from now, so the end of 2026, sometime into 2027. Where are you going to be? What's your life going to look like at that point? Maybe some of our high schoolers say, hey, I'm, I'm graduated. I'm going off to college. Maybe some of our college students are saying, hey, I'm, I'm graduated. I'm starting, I'm starting work. Sorry about that. Uh, you know, maybe you're thinking about what's, what's going on, what's coming up next in the, in the coming years, three years from now. Maybe, maybe you're single now and maybe you're married at that point. Hey, maybe you're a young married couple right now and, and you've got a kid at that point. Hey, maybe for those of us who are married and have kids already, maybe we, we've got another one. Not us, but maybe some of you guys. Uh, you, got, you got another kid. Uh, maybe, who knows where you're going to be, a, a different town. Um, where, where are you at three years from now? Let's say sometime the end of 2026, end of 2027, you find yourself at a, at a funeral. And maybe you, like me, when you go to a funeral, especially if it's someone that you, you don't know very well, uh, but you, maybe you know a family member or something like that, and you're trying to support them, or, or somehow you end up at a, a funeral of someone that you don't know very well. You, as you enter the, the funeral home for the, the visitation before the funeral itself, you're kind of looking around, seeing who you know, who, who do I recognize, who, who do I know here. Again, I, I've got some connections here, but I don't know everybody. And you look around and you see, you know, who's there? Who's there at this, this funeral home as you're there for the visitation, as you're getting ready to, to attend the funeral? Maybe you're listening. What are people saying? What's the conversation like? What's the, what's the atmosphere like? Are, are people, of course, there's mourning going on. They're, they're sad in some ways, but is there a, a positive spirit about it? You know, I've been to, I've been to funerals where it's, it's very, uh, very downtrodden and very, very sad, and there's seemingly no joy at all. And I've been to some funerals and some visitations where, where even though a, a, a bad thing has happened in some ways, someone has, has passed away, there's a lot of joy. So what's, who, who's there? What are they talking about? What's the atmosphere like? And as you're waiting in the line uh, to, to go by the casket, to, to greet the family and to give them your condolences and, and maybe see the, uh, look into the casket and for, the, uh, for the, the viewing and that sort of thing, you, you finally make your way up to the casket and, and you find that this funeral is yours. So who's there at your funeral three years from now? What are they talking about? What's the atmosphere like at your, your funeral three years from now? And what, whatever that desired description looks like of who's there, the, the people that you would want to be at your funeral, of what those people that you would want to be at your funeral, what they're talking about and what the atmosphere is like, whatever you would, whatever your desire is, this is what I would want that to be like. What do you need to change today to make that happen? What relationships do you need to fix starting today so that three years from now, that person that you would love to be at your funeral and be talking about you in positive ways and have a a good positive atmosphere, even though there's this tragedy that has happened with your death, and no matter what age you are, whether you're in high school or or you're much, much far, far past high school, who's there? What are they talking about? And what the atmosphere, what is the atmosphere like? And what, what do you need to change? What decisions do you need to make? How do you need to treat people? What do you need to fix in your life so that three years from now, sometime at the end of 2026, into 2027, that description of what you would really want it to be like 
is actually what it's like. You know, this is the last day of the year and our, our theme this year that we haven't talked about as much over the last several months. Evan has actually probably preached on it more recently than, than I have, but our theme this year is, is better. Do you remember that not only are we ending this year on a Sunday, we also began this year on a Sunday? It's one of those rare times. It doesn't happen a whole lot, but the, the January 1st was a Sunday and December 31st is a Sunday. So we talked about, we want to be better this year. Uh, we, we're seeking something greater than what the world has to offer. And that's what we've talked about. Again, we talked about it a lot the first several months and, and then once a month uh, from then on. And, and like I said, Evan's been doing it more often than I have lately. But we talked about all kinds of different things, better Bible study and better relationships and better families and, and better followers of Jesus. Have you improved this year? You know, probably this year, maybe like most years, you're thinking about some, some resolutions. And maybe you, maybe you write those things down. Maybe you, you publicize those and you make sure everybody knows, hey, this is what I'm trying to do this year. Or, or maybe you're more private or, or maybe that's just not your thing at all. But, but certainly we, we generally this time of year, as Evan's already mentioned, we, we think about ways to improve, things to get better at. You know, I, I set some, re- some resolutions this year, and some of them I did pretty good with. I wanted to read more, and I read more in this year than probably I have any other year in my life, maybe any other, maybe my entire life combined, uh, listening to books and that sort of thing. So I did great with that. The other ones that I did, maybe not so much. I wanted to do two 5Ks. I think I ran one day the entire year. Uh, so didn't quite meet those. Uh, but you know what's, what's good about a new year? New beginnings, new chances. It's this mentality that we have this time of year that not only we have, but the, the whole world really has this kind of year, a, a new beginning. So I've got some no, other things that I'm going to do. And, and Evan and Topher have, have tricked me into signing up for a, a mud run, a 10-mile mud run in October. So pray for me and pray for them because they have to put up with me. So, but we, we begin new things and we think about new things. What, maybe, again, maybe that's not your thing, but certainly I would hope that you are thinking about frequently that you want to grow, that you want to get better. That certainly as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, you want to seek something greater than what the world has to offer. Have you thought about those things? Have you thought about those things recently? You know, if we don't have priorities, if we don't have goals, uh, then that old adage is true. If you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it every time. If you aim at nothing, you're sure to hit it every time. Another way to think about it that I, I read recently in one of the books that I've been reading uh, is this idea of, you know, climbing the ladder. And, and we think about that and, and that's, you know, kind of this picture of success. And we do run, one rung at a time and we climb the ladder. And that's a good thing that we, we think that's a good thing. And, and it can be. But sometimes if we don't think about what we're doing or where we're going, we can spend all of our time climbing the ladder and not realize what wall it's leaning against. Right? We can spend time improving and, and taking the next step and the next rung and, and, and progressing, but we don't even realize, hey, where am I going? Where does this ladder, where does this effort, where does this improvement, where does it lead? Is that really where I want to go? So what I want to think about this morning as we think about better is that better endings, we're at the end of the year, but we're also at the beginning of the new year. Better endings begin with the end in mind. Better endings begin with the end in mind. That may sound familiar to you. I got that specific idea uh, from the seven habits of highly effective people. Uh, it's one of the, uh, the, the habits, but it's, it's true spiritually. You can apply it certainly to your business life. You can apply it to your, your marriage life. You can apply it to your family life. But, but do we, when we think about resolutions, do we, when we think about growth and improvement, do we think about, I want to grow and I want to improve spiritually? Where, where do you want to be? Who do you want to be? 
What do you want people to describe you as one year from now? At the beginning of next year, what do you want to, maybe not so much achieve, it's not so much of an, an achievement, but where, where do you want to grow to? What do you want to improve in this year? And what are you thinking about? How are you going to do those things? And I guess that's really the question. We all want that. We all want improvement. We all want to grow spiritually. I think you're here this morning because you have a relationship with God. And, and if maybe sometimes you think about it, maybe sometimes you don't. But if, you, if we would all stop and think about it, we would at least come to this conclusion. Yes, I'd like a better relationship with God. But I think sometimes where we get hung up on is how do we do that? This morning, I want to talk about four ways that we do that and then give you four tips to talk about how you can improve your spiritual life. Uh, not starting today, but really throughout your entire life. But let's just break it down for the next year, maybe even the next month, maybe even the next week. Hey, maybe just today. How can you improve your spiritual life. I'm going to reference a number of scriptures this morning, and uh, they're in your bulletin. If you want to write them down, we can. I don't have a, a passage necessary that we're going to look at, but we're talking about some biblical ideas of commitment and improvement in our spiritual life. So let's think about this. Where do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Uh, what do you want to be able to, to achieve spiritually over this next year? Um, and, and really, how are you going to do that? Some familiar passages in Joshua uh, chapter 24 and verse 15. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 15. Uh, that's where, where Joshua is meeting with the Israelites in the end of his life. And that's, the, that's where you know, he says, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. But, but what's the question to start there? Uh, the question to begin that is choose for yourselves, or the, really the command, I guess, is choose for yourselves today. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the gods of the Amorites? Are you going to serve the gods of the Canaanites? Are you going to serve the gods that uh, your forefathers uh, served uh, beyond the river? Or are you going to serve God? Choose today whom you're going to serve. So how do we, how do we grow? How do we improve? And listen, all of us are at different levels spiritually and spiritual maturity wise. Some of you are not Christians yet. You have not uh, committed your life to Christ. You have not uh, obeyed the gospel yet. Uh, So I'm talking to you, but then some of you have been Christians for decades and I'm talking to you too. Uh, the first thing that we need to do if we want to grow spiritually, no matter where you're at on that, is make up your mind. Make up your mind. Uh, in First uh, Kings chapter 18, verse 21, 1 Kings 18, 21, that's, that's Elijah there, and he's talking to the people on Mount Car- Carmel, and uh, right before he has this, uh, this battle with the, the prophets of Baal, and he says there in that verse, hey, how long will you stand between? How long will you stand as if you're crippled between God and Baal. And if God is God, if Yahweh is God, then serve him. And if Baal is God, serve him. But basically he says, you've got to make up your mind. Now, lots of us here have already at least mentally made up our mind. We've said, I want to be a follower of Jesus. Okay, but if you haven't done that, that's the very first thing you gotta do. Faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. If you don't believe, then then you're not gonna do any of this other stuff. You've gotta make up your mind. Do you believe and will you Commit your life to being a follower of Jesus. Secondly, think about this. In Luke chapter 9, verses 23 and 24, Luke 9, 23 and 24, Jesus says this, we've got to follow him daily. We've got to make up our mind, I want to be a follower of Jesus, and then we've got to actually follow Jesus. Luke 9, 23 and 24, and Jesus was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, hey, if you want to be my follower, he says, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. If anyone wishes to come after me, deny himself, take up your cross, and follow after Jesus 
daily. Jesus says similar things in, in Luke chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 27. If you want to flip over there, Luke 14 and verse 27, similar words, but a little bit stronger, maybe Luke 14, verse 27, whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Listen, this, this Christianity, this religion that we hold is more than a mental acceptance of Jesus being a real person who lived. It's even more than a a mental acceptance of saying that you believe that Jesus died and was resurrected. It's it's more than that. It is, hey, this has got to make a difference in my life. So this morning, I, I don't know exactly where you are. I'm not with you all the time. And even if I was with you all the time, the only person that, that I can know where that person is at in their relationship with God is, is me. I can't know that completely about my wife or my children, and certainly not you. And maybe your spouse can't really tell how you are in your relationship with God or your children or your parents or your best friend or really the only people, the only beings that know your relationship with God is you and God. So have you made up your mind and are you following Jesus daily? Thirdly, how can we grow? How can we improve spiritually? We've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, uh, you know this passage. Of course, Hebrews 11 is that hall of fame of faith where we read about all those faithful men and women of the Old Testament and, and the great things that they did. And then the conclusion of that or the, uh, the, the next step in that is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, since we've got all these people that have done all these things, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. We fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the author and the perfecter of our faith. And he, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame and is sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. See, Jesus, when he walked the earth, he had a, he had a goal in mind. He had an end in mind. And because of that, he was willing to endure some things so that he could achieve what he was aiming for. And the same thing's gonna be true for us. Listen, you wanna be with God for all of eternity, whatever that looks like. And we don't know exactly what that looks like, but we know that's where we wanna be. I wanna be with God for all of eternity because I know that the, the alternative to that, I don't want that. I don't wanna be separated from God. I don't wanna go to hell. I, I want to be with God. I want to experience that. I want to, uh, to, to live in that perfect place with God. If we want to do that, we've got to fix our eyes on Jesus. Again, it makes a difference in our lives. And the difference that it makes is that we follow the example that Jesus gave to us with his life and that his word tells us and shows us with the way we ought to live our lives. Again, I know that most of us here this morning know that. I don't think knowledge is the problem for most of us. I think action, I think implementation of what we know to do is sometimes the problem. So what do we do? We make up our mind. We follow Jesus daily. We fix our eyes on Jesus because he's the one who shows us how we ought to live. And then finally, and we think about how can we can improve, we need to press on. We need to endure because there will be some difficult times. Paul talks about this in Philippians chapter three. Now, Philippians chapter three, starting in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect. And, and Paul is, is someone that even in the first century, but certainly for us today would be a, a great example. But he says, hey, I, I'm not perfect while he was living this life, he recognized he, he, had, he had some flaws, but he goes on to say, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which I was also laid hold of by Jesus Christ. Brothers, I do not consider myself as laying hold of it yet, but one thing I do, here's what he did that maybe we can do. I forget what lies behind and reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal, the, call, the goal, goal, excuse me, for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 
See, Paul endured some things that you and I probably will never have to endure, but we will have to endure something. Satan will tempt us. Satan will distract us. Satan will make us go through difficulty. So we need to make up our minds. Where are you at on that this morning? Have you become a Christian yet? Have you, have you named the name of Jesus and said he is the Lord of my life? Have you accepted him as the Lord of your life? Have you been baptized into Christ for the remission of your sins? If you haven't done that yet, as David and Evan have already mentioned, why not do that today? There's nothing better that could happen. And you, then you'll have to follow him daily. How are you doing with that, Christian? Are you following Jesus every day? In every decision that you make, in every choice that you choose, are you following Jesus? Have you fixed your eyes on Jesus, looking at his example because he shows us what it means to really be a Christian and are you pressing on? Again, this year, I know uh, David uh, mentioned he's had a, a rough year with his, his, uh, his heart uh, issues that he's had. And, and others of us have had family members who have gotten sick or passed away. Or some of you, some of us have, have lost jobs or had other folks lose jobs. This, this has been a, a year, uh, just like every other year, really. But maybe for you, this was a rough year. I can think back in times in my life and You know, I I think I've told you before, but uh, 2012, easily the worst year of my life. Easily the worst year of my life. Maybe the worst year of your life was 2023. Are you pressing on? Are you enduring? Are you recognizing and seeing that despite whatever Satan may throw at you, that Jesus is still worth following? Let me give you four tips uh, those are the ways that we do it. We need, to, we need to make up our mind. We need to follow daily. We need to fix our eyes on Jesus. We need to press on. But let me give you four tips, four things that you can practically do that I think will help your spiritual life. And then the lesson will be yours. Number one, pray. How's your prayer life? That's, that's so easy to say. These are not gonna be groundbreaking things. I'm not gonna tell you nothing you haven't heard already, okay? How can you improve your, your, your Christian walk? Pray. Two things with that. Pray frequently. Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. Are you holding up to that standard? Are you praying without ceasing? When you're going into a meeting at work that you're a little nervous about, do you take the time to pray? When you're about to eat a meal, do you take the time to pray to God and, and, and thank him for your food? When you uh, are about to uh, go through a difficult time, someone's sick or something good happens or, or any number of things, do you take the time just in that moment to pray. It doesn't have to be eloquent. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, long, but do you take the time to, to have an open communication with God all the time? Do you think about that sort of thing? Again, some of us do, but some of us really struggle with that. Uh, it do, again, it doesn't have to be uh, eloquent. You know, Jesus warns us about, you know, standing on the street corner uh, and, and praying like the hypocrites do because they want to be seen by people. Look at how holy and righteous I am. Listen, when you, when you come up here, if, if you would be willing to come up here and, and lead a prayer, men, again, it doesn't have to be eloquent, but is it sincere and is it honest? In your prayer life, how can you improve your spiritual walk? Is your, are your prayers sincere and honest? Not beautiful, Not eloquent, not always saying the exact right words, but when you're talking to God, are you honest and are you sincere? Let that be a goal for this year for you. Number two, not rocket science, study God's word. Study the word. 
All Scripture is inspired by God and it's profitable. It's good for something, for teaching, for correction, for reproof, and for training in righteousness so that the man or the woman, the child of God, can be adequately equipped for every good work. If you want to do things for God, it starts with studying God's Word. It starts with studying God's Word. And please notice, I didn't say read the Bible. I said study God's Word. Listen, I think it's great um, that... uh, you may, you may be starting this year, maybe tomorrow, maybe you've already started uh, to read the Bible through in a year. I've never done that. I think it's a great thing. But I'm not encouraging you to read the Bible. I'm encouraging you to study God's word. And I think there's a difference. I think there's a difference. Study God's word, study it to, to understand it. Maybe, maybe you don't read a whole chapter. Maybe you just make it through a verse or a couple of verses. But, but by the time you're done studying that, because it's not just, okay, I'll read this verse and I'm done, check it off. No, you're studying it and you're trying to understand the passage and looking maybe at the, the history and looking at commentaries and asking questions of your fellow Christians. By the end of your study of that passage, whether it's a chapter or a book or a verse, you understand what God wants from you, what God needs from you, what God wants you to understand about you and about him by the time you finish reading and studying that passage. Listen, uh, you, you need to study. You need to study. God's word. You don't need to just listen to what the preacher has to say. Your preacher is fallible. Your preacher is imperfect. Sometimes your preacher's wrong. You need to study God's word. And you need to know not only what you believe, but why you believe it. You need to know not only what you believe, but why you believe it. And you will not get that from just coming to church on Sunday mornings and listening to the preacher preach. I promise you, study God. If you want to improve, if you want to improve your spiritual walk with Jesus, study God's word and do that frequently as well. Number three, uh, improve your serve. Improve your service. How, how are you serving uh, God? Jesus says the son of man, describing himself, the son of man came to serve, not to be served and to save folks from their sin. How is your service? Uh, and I don't mean your worship service. Or church service. How are you serving other people? Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. How do we demonstrate our love for our neighbors? We serve them. We find those needs and we meet those needs. If you want to grow in your spiritual life, pray to God honestly and sincerely. Study God's word. Don't just read it and improve your serve. There are opportunities all around you every day, now, this day, and going forward for you to serve. And that doesn't always have to be, hey, I'm going to serve you and let me tell you about Jesus. Now, that should be our ultimate aim and our ultimate goal is to tell people about Jesus. But there are times when Jesus serves people and doesn't tell them anything spiritually. There are times when the apostles serve people and they don't always talk about spiritual life. But what happens is, in most of those instances, is that because someone showed love to them, those people are interested in something more than just the service. Now, does that always happen today? Absolutely not. Will you get taken advantage of? Yes, you will. Will it frustrate you? Absolutely. Will you get angry? Probably so. Do it anyway. Serve, serve, serve. Jesus came to serve. We are the body of Christ. We should be about serving other people. If nothing else, 
your service of other people, even if they don't appreciate it or they don't accept it or they don't look for anything more than just that physical service, it will help you appreciate the fact that God has done everything good for you in spite of your lack of appreciation. Do you want to improve your spiritual life? Pray, honestly and sincerely. Study God's word, don't just read it. And improve your serve, even if it doesn't lead where you would want it to lead. And fourthly and finally, Don't do any of those things by yourself. Do those things by yourself. Pray by yourself. Study by yourself. Serve by yourself. But don't only do those things by yourself. Listen, if you would get somebody to pray for you, how how awesome is it? What, What a privilege to ask somebody, hey, will you take my need and my concern before the creator of all things? And will you pray for me? What a privilege for someone to do that. Hey, what a privilege for you to say, hey, can I pray for you? Is there anything that that I can take before our Father who is in heaven on your behalf? Pray for other people. Have other people pray for you. Pray together. Married couples, how often do you pray with your spouse? Not just for your spouse. Pray together. Families, how often do we pray together? Not just about each other, but with each other. And we could, any relationship that you might have, do it with someone. How about this study? Study God's word, not just by yourself. You need to study it yourself, but you also need to study it with other people. Listen, I, I love you and I'm not getting on to you, but if you want to improve your, your spiritual life, come to Bible class. It's not a commandment. You go to heaven without coming to Bible class. But if you want to improve your spiritual life, come to Bible class. That's why we have it. We don't have Bible class to suggest that those who come to it are holier than those who don't come to it. We have Bible class so that people who are interested in taking advantage of that opportunity to study God's word with a group of people who are like-minded and interested in similar things and have tough questions and talk about difficult things and can grow from all of that. That's why we have Bible class. It's not a command. Nobody can force you to do that. But if you want to grow spiritually, come to Bible class. Study with other people. And I think you'll be benefited. Hey, how about this? Just try it in January. Just try it in January. See how it goes. And if you don't get any benefit from coming to Bible class in January, okay, at least you tried. How about you just try it in January? So pray together. Pray with other people, study together, and then serve other people. Why do we we have things at at Jefferson Avenue like uh, the the Kids Avenue, the the youth group? Why do we have things like the men's ministry and the ladies' ministry and uh, the young at heart ministry and and, uh, the amazing ladies and and any other group that you can name, care groups and and all those things? Why why do we have those? Because, listen, if, if every Christian would just be the Christian they're supposed to be, what a great church we would be. If you would just do what you're supposed to do as a Christian... If all of us individually would just do what we're supposed to do as a Christian, we wouldn't need a men's ministry. We wouldn't need a ladies' ministry. We wouldn't need a youth group. We wouldn't need a kids' avenue. We wouldn't need any of those things. But the reality is, most of us here, we know the things we ought to do, but sometimes we struggle actually doing them. So what have we done? The elders and people who are willing to to lead groups of people have said, hey, I I need help 
doing the things that I need to do. And I know some other folks need some help doing the things that they need to do. So let's form a group of people who are committed to doing these things. And we'll have these events. We'll have these programs, if you will. We'll have these ministries that will help give people the opportunity to do the things that they know they need to be doing. But for whatever reason, they struggle with doing. So we have a a wings and wisdom ministry on the third Monday of every month. And guess what we do? We study God's word together because we know we ought to be studying God's word, but sometimes we don't always do it. Ladies have their events. Youth group has their events. All these different groups, all these different ministries have events, have these organized activities to give all of us the opportunity to do the things that we know we ought to be doing, just like Bible class. So take advantage of those things. Do you want to grow spiritually? Take advantage of those things. Do those things. Join us. Let's live this life together. In, um, in the first century, and in the scripture, at least, at least two times, John at the end of Revelation and, and Paul in one of his letters, uh, and, and it seems as if this was a common prayer, maybe a mantra almost, uh, of the early church, uh, they would say this simple prayer, uh, three words in English, I'm not sure exactly how many it was in, in Greek or Aramaic, uh, but it was simply, come Lord Jesus. Where are you going to be at three years from now? If you, if you knew your funeral was coming up, what kind of life would you live that you could confidently say this prayer? Come, Lord Jesus. Because you're ready. And because you're excited about eternity with God. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. What ladder are you climbing? Where is it leading? What goals? What resolutions? What things do you need to change about your life today so that whenever that end comes, and let's make no doubt about it, there is an end that is coming at some point, some of us sooner rather than later. When that end comes, will you be happy to stand before God Not perfect, but made perfect through the blood of Christ. Because you've walked with him every day, denying yourself, picking up that cross and following after him. One day there will be an end. That end will either be great because you've thought about where you're going, or it will be the worst thing that you will ever experience because you've wandered around without aim and without following Jesus. This morning, Brothers and sisters, uh, we're at the end of a year, the beginning of a new year. It's a time of renewal. In your life this morning, do you have things going on in your heart, in your mind, that are distracting you from your Lord? If you do, then start to make the changes now. If you need to come forward in just a few minutes when Jacob uh, leads us in a song and we all stand and sing then, then, and let us know about those things, I've got things I need to work on. Everybody has things they need to work on. Brothers and sisters, I ask you to pray for me. Just pray for me, okay? If you want to know more details, come and talk to me and we'll talk, okay? Pray for me. I'm going to pray for you, but if there's specific things that you need, this family at JA, we want to pray for you. We want to help you. Because in the end, we want to spend eternity with you, with God, forever. If you're not a Christian this morning, why not? And when I say Christian, I mean what the Bible talks about a follower of God does. They obey the gospel. 
The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. This morning, are you a Christian? Here's what I believe the Bible teaches what a Christian is. A Christian is a disciple of Christ, someone who studies and follows Jesus every day. Uh, The most important fact about Jesus is that he died, he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day. Do you believe that? If you believe that, are you willing to follow him? As you follow him, he becomes the, the Lord or the ruler, the person in charge of your life. Again, you're, you're following after him. You're fixing your eyes on him because he's the one who's showing you how you ought to do it. And you won't do that perfectly, but will you do it faithfully? When you mess up, will you own that? And will you change your life and, and stand up and try again to follow after him? And scripture tells us that one way that we obey the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is that we're baptized into Christ where all spiritual blessings are and where all of our sins are washed away. Buried with Christ in baptism, like he was buried in the tomb and raised to walk in newness of life. That old person, that old sinful, fault-filled person is done away with. And in God's eyes, you're a new person and you get to be different. Just like you're looking to this this renewal of the new year that starts tomorrow, it's a renewal of your whole life in God's eyes, which are the most important eyes that will ever look upon you. Faith, repentance, confession, and baptism. Have you done those things? If you haven't and you want to talk about it, I'd love to talk to you about that. If you haven't and you want to do it right now, I'm ready. Or anybody else who you want to baptize you is ready. Brothers and sisters, we serve a great God. Let's remember to serve him. And if there's anything we can do for you this morning, will you please come as we stand and sing?